Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Our Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to 15. But in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone is doing? I've had a good look at what God has given to it do for us to do. Busy work, mostly. True, God made everything beautiful in itself and in its time. But he's left us in the dark. So we can never know what God is up to, whether he's coming or going. I've decided that there's nothing better to do than go ahead and have a good time and get the most we with life. That's it. Eat, drink, and make the most of your job. It's God's gift. I've also concluded that wherever God does, that's the way it's going to be. Always. No addition, no subtraction. God's done it, and that's it. That's so we'll quit asking questions and simply worship in holy fear. Whatever was, is, whatever will be, is, that's how it always is with God. Awesome. Thank you, Brayden. So, uh, I'm really excited. So, Brayden is one of the two who's, uh, who's getting married. Um, and he's getting married in about a month and a half, and his brother's getting married next week. You guys can all be seated. Uh, but thank you, Brayden, for hanging out um, and reading scripture for us. Um, today, I... Uh, I call the sermon God's gift of life. Now, if you just listen to that passage, you're probably like, uh, you know, like, it's kind of like, yeah, there are certainly things of life that I would, I would identify as a gift. And there are certainly things in life that I would not identify as a gift. And um, as we read these passages, we go through the books of wisdom, we find... Um, we find, and especially in Ecclesiastes, as Marcus has talked about how the, the, the author of Ecclesiastes is, is more like this critical, older, you know, man who, like your, your critical uncle who's just skeptical about everything and said, oh, you have, you, you put your hope and faith in that? Like, well, let me tell you how, let's break that down and how that's ultimately, uh, the word that's used quite often in translations is meaningless. Uh, the the word in in Hebrew is uh, hevel, and it's it's this idea of of vapor, of smoke. It's not quite meaningless in the sense because we don't have a good word for that vapor, that smoke. But but that's it's like it's like when you grab at it, it when you grab at smoke, what does it do? It just it just just it just goes away. Like we can't grasp it. And and Ecclesiastes um, and what we believe is Solomon who wrote it. Um, is breaking down all the things that we often grasp at in life to be our ultimate joy and fulfillment, whether it's your career, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's relationships, uh, whether it's family. And we grasp at these things, and ultimately it's like vapor. They just disappear. And so many would say the book of Ecclesiastes, and honestly the first time I read through Ecclesiastes, I was like, I ju- it was funny because I had just read through Psalms. I think I read through Proverbs before I read through Ecclesiastes. And I'm like, oh, cool, there's purpose, there's meaning, there's yada, 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 all this stuff about what life is as a follower of God. And then I get to Ecclesiastes and I'm like, oh my word, what? 
is going on. Everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And I was confused, and so I can often be uh, stated as a book that's a little bit of a downer. Uh, but I want to talk today about why it's not. As many of you guys know, um, about two and a half months ago, or actually we're approaching three months now, goodness, uh, I, I didn't give birth. My <laughs> wife <laughs> gave birth to our first son, River. Um, he's awesome. It, it's so cool to have. I can't explain. It's something different than I've ever experienced. He's our first child and um, a beautiful beautiful experience. And, and in that experience, I had never seen somebody give birth, uh, I, and, and especially not somebody whom I love with the deepness of my love for Eunice, my wife. And to go through that experience was, boy, a roller coaster. If uh, I know there are many in here who've experienced that and many who have not. And it is so up and down. And uh, I will say, um, tell a little bit of that story, I'm, I'm super proud of my wife um, for that. It was like a whole night. I mean, it was like 24 hours of labor. Um, and, and it was just a, a roller coaster of ups and downs, of pain and, and joy. And, and what's interesting is where we find ourselves in Ecclesiastes, you, we just read through a list. There's a time and a season for everything. We're all very uh, familiar with those, a time to live and a time to die. And it goes through all these, these times in our lives, and they're very contrasted. And in, and in a matter of hours, uh, on March 3rd of 2021, I experienced unbelievable contrast from pain and just sorrow. I've, I don't know if it was as much sorrow for her, but I was sorry for her. I'm like, oh my goodness, I did this to her. Like, good, she's like in so much pain. Like, and, and just this roller coaster of contrast. And, and for Eunice, it really had to do with just pain and enduring. I mean, to watch her through the night, uh, just <laughs> dealing with these contractions, I can't even imagine was just incredible endurance. Um, and, and that was contrasted with unbelievable relief. Uh, now, I've not, never experienced that, but you know, I've experienced some things like, have you ever had a, a, like a, uh, an ear infection? An ear infection and, or earache, and then it just like, the, the, all the pressure was just relieved. It's like, oh, oh my word. I, I've had a chronic a shoulder dislocation problem and when your shoulder's dislocated, it's like, oh my goodness, like nothing feels good. It's just pain, pain, pain until you get it back in and it's 80% better right away. And that, I would imagine, was the relief and then, and then the joy that she had as we had our son. And for me, it was just this sorrow and weakness in the, in the context of like, I'm sitting here next to, next to her as she's in labor and, and pushing, and I'm just holding her hand, and I'm just like, I'm sobbing, because I'm just like, I have no power, I can't help her at all, you know, and, and just like, so weakness and sorrow, and that changed in a moment to excitement and joy. And what's funny is, I got immediate, like, wow, what a gift. It's easy for me to say that's a gift. It was a couple hours of pain for, uh, for this moment of unbelievable joy. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there will be other times in 
our life with River that will be difficult as well. But, uh, but, but great joy as uh, we get to raise a son together. And, and what's interesting is, is that it's easy to identify God's gift in that. Well, there's another story of a more tragic uh, case, um, and, and I'm sure many of you have, have heard about it with the Lindos. The Lindos didn't have such a beautiful scenario happen. Um, a little less than a year ago, they had a stillborn daughter, Selah. And the tragedy that came along with that as I watched them go through this, this great pain and heartbreak. And while I look back on River's birth and say, wow, it's easy to think that's a gift, it's probably a little bit harder for the Lindos to say, that was a gift. How could that be a gift? You know, a, a scenario like that just breeds just this, this resentment, this, like, God, why? And as I watched them walk through that, I, honestly, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, to see faith in action as they chose to believe, or they chose or really to relinquish control of what they could not control to God. And it was funny, so it, you know, if, if you got to see there, they did uh, a service, uh, a little celebration of life about a week after, and, and at, the, at the very end, Drew said something, and he said, he said, man, like, you know, I, with pain and sorrow in his heart, as he said, like, if this, if Selah's life has affected you in any way, please, please let us know. And what Drew was doing in that moment was saying, we are going to choose to believe that God has a purpose for what happened. That in some way, this tragedy would actually be a gift. And what's cool is, in the months ensuing after that, we've seen unbelievable ways that Selah's life was a gift to others. That God has been glorified through her life and her death. Whether it's good or bad, the scenarios that we face in our life, we've got to look at these things as a gift. So I'm going to break out this sermon in a, into a couple pieces. Um, I used to do this a lot more, but I think it's really important that we do. And it's this posture of upward, inward, outward. It's a, it's a head knowledge. And then how does that penetrate into our hearts? Because that's really important. It's not Christianity and following Jesus is not just knowing a bunch of facts about history, about Jesus, about who God is, and theological bits. If those theological bits and historical facts don't, don't result in, in penetration into our hearts and experiencing who God is, then, then we're just religious people. We're just doing religious activities. It has to get to our hearts. So head, heart, and, and we all know that what, what happens and what changes us inward, they, it always makes its way out. So I want to break it up into that. So upward, when we look at God and, we, uh, and we're, we're talking about who he is, we look to his word because we, a lot of people have ideas over the, over the centuries of what God is like or who he is, and, and we have his word to look to, and that has to be our authority because otherwise it's up to our opinions. It's up to our opinions. So we look to his word to find out who we are. Now I want to say a quick word, because um, we're in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 
Um, I'm typically not the person to read from the message version. If you don't know much about uh, Bible translations, the message is a pretty thought-for-thought read on scripture. Essentially, all these, all the translations that we see today are translated from the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic directly to English. So I, I have great confidence in that because I don't want a translation of a translation of a translation. Um, but the message is, is very much a thought for thought. And what that means is the way trans, when you translate one language to another, it's not cut and dry, nice and simple because there's a lot of different words that they use for different things that we might not use a similar word that means the same thing. And so it's not cut and dry, but what they do is they try to say, let's, let's get through the clunkiness of going really word for word, and let's get to the heart of the matter. And the message reads really good in this way. I read through a couple different, there's, I will say that, you know, make sure if you're a Bible read, a, be a Bible reader, first of all. If you are a Christian who follows Jesus, get in the Word. But read all sorts of different translations. Spend some time reading one that's really academic and word for word. And, and it, it, what it does is it makes you do the homework because you read this thing and you're like, oh, just I, I don't understand that kind of language as well. It takes some work. But then read one that's a little bit more fluid, like the message or like the New Living Translation. So I just wanted to put that in there. Um, because it gives you a better picture as you understand the different perspectives on how how that original language was translated. So, as we look at this passage, it can be kind of a downer. As I said, we, we go from the you know the first thing is you re, as you look at your at your uh, passage there on your page. The third the first thing is says, but in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? That kind of begs the question of what came right before it. You know, but does it really matter? Because it's it's just hinting towards something before. And before, as I said, it was this: there's a right time, there's a there's a time for this, and there's a time for that. And it goes through many of the different scenarios, the contrast that we find in life. Does it really make a difference what anyone does? The beginning of this hints towards the fact that like God has just given us work to do in this world, but for the most part, has just left us to our work, and. This is kind of a downer. He's just left us to our work. I've had a good look at what God has given us to do. Busy work, mostly. Kind of like, oh, I thought my job was, like, special. You know, busy work, mostly. It's mostly not that important, but but we're busy doing it down here. And then he goes on, he says, true, God made everything beautiful in its time. Okay, so there's beauty. Okay, he just kind of, like, downplayed my work. I thought I had purpose there. There is beauty in it. God made everything beautiful in its time, but he's left us in the dark so we can never know what God is up to, whether he's coming or going. That's just the fluidity of life and the fact that I can't always control my scenarios, whether it's my work, whether it's my family, whether it's my schooling, my grades. I can't always control those things. And, and especially in this country, because in this country, we have a, I think we, there's a much greater perception in the United States of America that we have control over things. Where if I went to Africa and I hung out with some kids in third world countries that had nothing, they're pretty aware that they don't have control over stuff. And in a way, that's good. Because it's easier to say, 
to rely fully and solely on God. They're able to relinquish control. So that's the first thing is like, let us relinquish control. And then it says, it says to find enjoyment in all the things of life. In the simple things, whether they're good or they're bad. I'll read, uh, it's actually, it's funny because the message kind of breaks the, this. you can't like go for a single verse because it puts verses in like, in a group of verses. Whether he's coming or going, I've decided that there's nothing better to do than go ahead and have a good time and get the most out of life. That's it. Eat, drink, and make the most of your job. It's God's gift. I will say, I like the eating. I like I like the drinking. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's I'm not talking about like being obnoxious with it, but you know, I enjoy a beer or I enjoy a good drink or I enjoy, you know, fun activities where the White Mountains I have lots of hobbies. I enjoy those things. It's a little harder for me to enjoy my job sometimes, maybe. Maybe some of you it's a little bit harder to enjoy family or in-laws or I'm looking at my in-law right over here. <laughs> you know, maybe those are a little bit harder to enjoy, but but all these things are a gift from God. All <laughs> I'm gonna get myself in trouble up here. I typically get myself in trouble on Sunday morning, so that's okay. To find enjoyment in whatever we're doing. To find the gift. It's the kind of the half the, the, the glass half full versus the glass half empty. There is a gift in everything. Amen. And to thank God for it. Even if it's not something that I wanted or felt like I needed. I think that the when we look at this passage and we look to who God is, so we're learning, okay, we're not in control. God's in control. The really the crux of this passage, and I said the central point, comes in verse 14. What God has done is final. I'm going to read verse 14. I've also concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it is going to be always. No addition and no subtraction. God's done it and that's it. Right, that's, kind of, that's okay. All right, like, it's up to you, God. And I, I have nothing, it's funny, I can't question you. You're a holy, perfect creator of the world, universe, God, I can't even fathom how much bigger that you are than me to question you. And it says that so will quit asking questions and simply worship in holy fear. In holy fear. Other uh, translations in verse 14, I'll read uh, the ESV. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor nothing taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. So that we can come under God and, and the fear of the Lord. We, we, there's lots of perceptions as we talk about the fear of the Lord, but if the fear of the Lord is, is the fear of a father, but a good father. It's not like I'm just constantly scared that God's going to smite me. It's, it's, a, it's a fear knowing that God is in control and I'm not. But man, is he good, and I, and I want to follow him no matter what he says. 
Marcus has used this illustration a lot about when uh, Jesse was really young. Jesse's his youngest, uh, his youngest um, child, and uh, when he was, I don't know how old he was, maybe two or three. But when they're two or three, they don't have a whole lot of perception of what's going on in, in life, and their family was going to Disney World. But in order to get to Disney World, they had to get up to get on an airplane wicked early in the morning. So he takes Jesse out of his crib as a young, young boy and puts him in a cold minivan in a car seat. And Jesse's ah, screaming ah, like crazy. And he's like, he's like, you don't understand because what I'm doing is good for you. Like we're going to Disneyland. But... But it's funny is that we, we kick and we scream and, and we, we're like, God, I don't want this right now. I don't like this right now. This isn't what I asked for. I want my nice, comfy bed. But, he doesn't, but we don't realize is that God's taking us somewhere more beautiful, somewhere better. There's good where he's taking us. And I will say that's true whether there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like the fact that I had a son after that pain and toil, whether it was in the, in the Lindos scenario where they lost their daughter, but they, but they gained a sister in Christ. Like how beautiful is that? That come, someone would decide to follow Jesus because of that. Um, but that's just as true even if they didn't experience that, that joy. Because whether it's a couple minutes, a couple hours, a couple weeks, a couple months, or it's your entire life, it's not about the payout here. It's about the payoff in eternity. There are people that go through their entire lives trusting God, and they'll never get a quote-unquote payout here. They might go through life and, and be persecuted and have nothing but bad their entire life, but ultimately they'll, they're reconciled to God at the end. And even if that's the only joy... Well, the good thing that, you, that you're looking at, even if that's the only thing, it's worth it. Even if that's the only thing, it's worth it. Look at the disciples. There were 12 of them, minus Judas, plus Matthias. Uh, there were 12 of them. 11 of them were martyred for their faith. And the other one died of old age in prison for his faith. That doesn't sound very promising, but boy, did they have a promising future as they were reconciled to God in heaven. How beautiful is that? What do we do? So that, that's looking upward. Okay, when I really look at this passage, if I want to boil it down as we look at who God is, God is in control in a way I don't understand, but I have to put my faith in him and, and worship. I love that word. To worship him in holy fear. To worship him in a holy fear because he is in control. Okay, so what does that do inward? Okay, so we looked at God. All right, that's who God is. I'm going to look, how does that change me? How do I experience the knowledge of God's control? How do I experience the fear of the Lord? I want to say because the most frightening thing in this world I'll tell you, it's not COVID. It's the effects, maybe, of COVID. It's death. The most fearful thing that any of us face is death. 
And the reason I can have hope, the reason that, that God's control can affect me inward is that by looking at his word, I know that he overcame death. That Jesus on the cross overcame death. And the Bible teaches that I don't have to fear anymore. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, you don't have to fear death. I want to read a couple passages that that I hope will give you a lot of hope. Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. We were buried, therefore, with, it, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Okay, that's now. I'm walking in new, newness of life now. For if we have been united with him in, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Man, that is, that's beautiful. That's hope. That is hope for my future. Philippians 3, 20, verses 20, uh, 20 through 21. But our citizenship in heaven, or is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I love looking at passages like this as I'm a guy who often gets injured because I do reckless things. Boy, am I looking forward to a glorified body where there's no, no sin and no pain and no suffering and no injury. And Oh, wow, it's going to be great. I'll actually be able to use my shoulder again. I won't have to do my windmill. If you ever hang out with me, I do my windmill so I get my shoulder popped into place just right and everything. Boy, am I looking forward to that new body. John 14, 1 through 3. This is straight from Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. This is important because this is in the this is the last night that Jesus is spending with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he's starting to give his final exhortation to them of like what to do. Like you're about to go and change the world, preaching the good news of me. And he said, and, and he tells them in these, in these group, this group of like five chapters in John, that they're gonna face serious persecution. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. John 11, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to her, he's talking, uh, this is in regards to Lazarus and how Lazarus died. And then Jesus came and rose him again, or raised him from the dead. But before he raised him from the dead, uh, I believe it was Mary who he's saying this to. And he, he said, uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's the hope. If you want to, like, believing that God's in control and knowing that he's good, when you, know, when you have hope in those passages, when you have hope in what, what the Bible teaches about what Jesus did, man, that changes the way I live. Okay? So what's outward? What's the hands 
It changes the posture towards the ups and downs of life. The Lindos went through a terrible tragedy, but to watch their faith through it as they chose to give God control and trust in his ways, the most beautiful, probably one of the most beautiful things uh, has ever happened, the most beautiful acts of faith that I've seen in my lifetime. The fruit is to worship God in holy fear, knowing that he's in control and that all of life is a gift, whether good or bad, perceived good or bad, I would say. So we know that God's in control. That's head. We know he's in control. We believe inwardly in his promises for our future, for those who put their trust in Jesus. And then we live in worship of a holy God. The truth is, this morning, um, as, as, I, as I share this, there's great hope. But there's great hope through Jesus. So I want to say that the gospel is good news for those who decide to receive it, to accept it. God will never force himself on anyone. And so if you're here this morning and, and you're hearing about this and, and, and you're hearing about what it means to, to relinquish control into God's hands and you want to put your faith in that, you want to be able to go through life and say, man, even when the bad stuff comes around, I want to have hope for a future. Well, there is hope for a future and that hope is found in Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. Drew, Drew mentioned the passage earlier. No, greater love has no one than this, that, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Romans 5, 8, it, it speaks of, of how Christ didn't just die for you as a friend. You were an enemy. Is that Christ died for us when we were enemies of God while we were still sinners, which... I hope you guys know that's all of us here. And that's the only prerequisite for putting our faith and trust in Jesus is to know that you need it. You know that you need his forgiveness. So if you're here this morning and you want to decide to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I'd encourage you, I'm going to pray to close out, but, but to, to talk to somebody about it, whether it's whether it's me or, or one of the other staff that's up here, or it's just someone who's sitting next to you, I want you to ask about it. There's no greater decision in your life, and there's no, no greater decision to, to change the hope and trajectory of your future as you put your faith and trust in an immovable God, even when everything around us is moving in ways that we like and in ways that we don't like. Every part of life is a gift from God. Lord, I thank you for Ecclesiastes. I thank you for the way that it challenges us, challenges us to not put our faith in these things that are vapor, they're smoke, but we put our faith and trust in you, the immovable God, the only source of forgiveness and reconciliation. God, this morning we relinquish control to you, whether we've done it before or we're doing it for the first time. Lord, relinquishing control to you is a daily activity for those who follow Jesus. Father, I pray if you stirred in anyone's heart today,
to put their faith and trust in you, Lord, that they would share it, they would ask questions, that they would dig deeper into truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is found in him. So as we seek truth, Lord, we'll find you. I believe that wholeheartedly. We love you and we trust you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.